Hello, my name is Antonio Rodriguez, and I will be having a conversation with Sawyer Eason as part of an oral history of Brooklyn Transcorp to be included in the New York City Trans Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans identifying people. But, um, but I have three interviews scheduled for this week. No way. Uh, a lot around centered around Brooklyn Transcore and such, which feels pretty fun. That's awesome. Who else is, is are you doing it with? Um, so there's this magazine, a Kazine distro right now that's done by. Do, do you know what uh, like Blue Stockings that we talked yeah. about? Yeah, Blue Stockings is uh, awesome. Um, um, they one of the people who is uh like a co-owner there. Um. Merlin has this zine called Cripple Punk Magazine, hmm. uh, and they've interviewed like Winter Wolf on, um, and other people, and uh, we're going to talk about like accessibility and like its myriad lenses, like you know, um, hmm. and about like punk stuff, Punk Island, Broken Transcore, the Dilators, everything and nothing kind of vibes, and then also. I think I've told you a little bit about like how I'm, you know, I do like festival production for like more like camping kind of fests, like mm -hmm. largely in Tennessee, but I started working in one in Michigan that like wasn't inclusive to trans women until like explicitly, like until like, like last year yeah, uh, or actually this year. Like, um, but, um, so, um, like that's been like, an ongoing thing and I'm getting an interview about like my work in Michigan about like, you know, going to like a previous kind of like hostile environment and like kind of like truth and reconciliation mm. and end conflicts, things like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, who's that one, the interview with? Um, it's my friend Rebecca, who I'm actually like making the, a documentary about this festival with uh we're calling it like on the land and it is just like you know a documentary uh like kind of like tracing oral histories of this like you know like festival space that used to hold a ten thousand person a year festival mm -hmm. that was like made by and for like the women's community and it folded like eight years ago on the trans question essentially yeah. there were other tensions from like 40 years of a festival running that were also hitting uh, but like a big reason was because they didn't want to include trans women into it but like 72 percent of the festival goers like even in the 90s were down with trans women being there but it was owned by one person it was private property so the policy was the policy and so it's just like a lot of complicated history there and i think like the core of it is trying to show that like hey like as like various radical communities we've had long histories with each other we've beefed we've made mistakes we've um misstepped we've been wrong about things and like finding like genuine ways forward being like that doesn't mean that we're enemies like and like seeing how far that healing can go like that's awesome. Uh, you know, my, kind of... my background is in uh, documentary, independent, independent documentary. So if y'all want really? any help, let me know. Yeah, I just finished cutting a short um, 
that is about uh, the black experience in contemporary classical music. And the director has been shooting all throughout the Midwest in like Nashville and uh, just all these Midwestern cities that have orchestras and uh, finding these amazing musicians. Yeah. That's beautiful. Like, yeah, this is, I, I didn't know that about um, yeah. um, your working background. That's really, really cool. Like, yeah, like, so, because as one of these situations, actually, like, I, I have uh, siblings that, like, work in, like, production on, like, films and stuff, not as much on, like, the technical end, but, like, like in production, yeah. but, like, um, that's never been an avenue that I've really pursued artistically, and it's never really been a goal, yeah. but it's, like, in Tennessee, like, and this is a lot of part of, I think, the cultural work is, like, the main, some of the main things I really do and, like, deliver to my communities is, like, helping put on these, like, radical, like, queer-centered, like, music festivals in the South um, that, like, people camp out and kind of, like, world-build together for a week, and, you know, I think that, I think that those things are really tangible, actually, like, um, like what happened, like the benefits of like getting people to actually be able to hold physical space together, much like Punk Island, like, you know, like, it's just like literally actually vital. Like people, it's something people need. And, um, you know, like a lot of the cultural work I'm doing there is like greater trans inclusion and greater like accessibility from like language, ability, trauma, all, like all the lenses of it um and so this festival this documentary in michigan like that was like the main like lesbian one in like all of like kind of like global culture it was like the biggest one in the world mm -hmm. and like the longest standing one and so when it closed over trans inclusion it was kind of like in the inter LGBT communities, it was kind of like a devastating thing. This was so big that like Tracy Chapman went every year mm -hmm. and like the go girls, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it was, you know, so it was like, there's like still like cultural reverberations of that, of like cliques and scenes that don't really ride together, even though they have a lot of like shared culture, history and politics. But um, because of like longstanding beefs, there's just these holdups and it, and it hurts us. Yeah. And so I kind of stumbled into this project happening or, or I just stumbled into the integration happening. And I realized that no one was covering it. Barely any trans people were going. There was no trans inclusion staff. So I just cold called them and I was like, hey, it seems like what y'all are doing is really good. But it also seems like y'all need some help. Yeah. Like and they were like open, accepted me with like open arms and were like, please, like, you know, like we're trying to do this healing work but there's a lot of in, inter-community tension That's awesome. and inter-community tension. And so like I went on and they let me come with a film crew. And so we have like interviews of people who have been associated with this land for like 50 years who have been like, yo, like I understand that there were like mistakes too, but also like this was the first place I ever felt safe. This is the place where I learned about myself in this way. And to kind of be able to show while we're in a healing moment like that also things are complicated yeah and like you know there's a huge deaf community that goes to this festival because all musical performances are sign language interpreted that's awesome that's awesome um but the... so it's like we have all this footage and we're trying to like edit it into a sizzle and actually through the brooklyn transcore meetings 
we've been building out like a film crew because there's just been so many people coming to the meetings that are filmmakers. There's like six trans filmmakers who like now are all like kind of like self-organizing and one of them has come forward and like wants to help me like edit a sizzle reel so Mm -hmm. that I can because we're hoping to come film for like two more years and really make a um, feature length documentary about like different radical communities who have had beef coming together and like finding unity yeah well if you need an editor or if you don't have anyone uh let me know and uh we could definitely work together if you're if you're interested but yeah that sounds really amazing um um i'm gonna real quick just grab some water yeah, yeah. and Go for i'll it. be right back sure. it was um I, 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 did you hear in the news about, like, the, the shooting last night? Not until your message, so I went to go look for it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it, from what I hear, because that was the only one of, like, I think there's now a new gay bar in Colorado Springs. But Colorado Springs, I don't know if you know much about that area. Mm-hmm. That's, like, where, like, the QAnon and, like, the alt-right stuff is. Right. It's kind of the headquarters of that. Yeah. It's a very, like, very right-wing uh, kind of, like, Nazi area yeah. uh and so like it's profound that you know it's like five hundred thousand people and there was only like one or two now there's like a second gay bar but for the longest time that was the only one yeah and that's kind of indicative of how conservative that place is and from what i hear it was a punk night mm, that's interesting. you know and mm. also i you know the attendees the punks who were there you know stopped him yeah. Like, it wasn't the police that was that. It was the patrons at the bar. And I think that's profound. And I mean, today's Trans Day of Remembrance. And so th- that was why I was a little late is because, like, I just kind of, like, received different friends who were kind of having a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, course. I'll talk more about it in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And there, I'm back. Hey. So, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's so interesting. Um... Uh, so I'm doing this project, uh, for a class of mine. It's a feminist theory class. And we were actually doing some readings on, um, uh, trans, uh, some trans adjacent topics. And one of the things we talked about a lot was Trans Day of Remembrance. But I had no, no idea that today was Trans Day of Remembrance. Uh, I would love to hear your take on, uh, on the day, like, I, like, like, w- one of the interesting things that came up in class is like when when we're talking about trans people, we tend to talk about uh, trans people in the uh, in the past tense, and so like a, a day of remembrance makes sense, which is why it's so like, uh, I, I, both the Hears Collective and do you remember that band Gloss? Yeah, yes. they both like memed on the Trans Day of Remembrance and, and had uh, albums like called the Trans Day of Vengeance or the Trans Day of Violence, right? I wonder if you have any thoughts on that and just, you know, today being the day. Yeah, I, um, I think that like, kind of like all trans people have like, a lot of trans people have like very complicated relationships with like trans day of remembrance and another big one is like trans day of visibility um and um like and i kind of came out in like 2014 ish into 
uh, and like my first uh, band that I was in, which was like a trans band, um, uh, we our first show was opening for Hears, and it was like in like the month before their album that they put out in like 2016, You Can't Kill Us. Mm-hmm. um was released and like you know like the lyrics were like the song titles were like you can't kill us not for you trans woman dies of old age murdered by a woman you know and um like that was the first time that i had ever really experienced like something beyond respectability politics for um like this kind of stuff and um you know, because, like, growing up, like, all you see of trans people, I mean, I grew up in a very, like, evangelical headquarters, like, I'm, like, right from where the 700 Club gets filmed and stuff, um, so, like, you know, you only see, like, Jerry Springer, or, like, a dead body on Law and Order SVU, or, like, you know, like, some joke about, like, um, you know, like dead hookers in a hotel or like this or that. Like you, it's like kind of like only like grim past tense and like anonymous and like violence twit tinged uh, things with like how you hear about trans people and like, um, and so yeah, it was like really, really important to for me to like kind of have that other edge of like, um, like trans day of revenge trans day of vengeance and like every day is trans day of vengeance kind of vibes and that was like really really important for me too and like um like especially when i was in a place in my own life where i was like very much in survival mode and i will say that now that i'm in a different place in my life um i've been in like trans punk stuff for um like six seven years i've had Brooklyn Transcore on my shoulder since 2019. You know, I'm in my late 20s now. Like, I'm sorry, I, uh, just give me one second. Hang on one second. Yeah, you were saying? I'm a little, just, I'm mean, just a little bit, like, although, like, the notion of Trans Day of Vengeance was uh, formative, to me because of like, yeah, like, I think that also, I kind of see a lot of different layers to it now in a way that it wasn't like, it's not like one way or the other for me, where like, I can respect, like having a trans day of remembrance while also being critical of the fact that like the, the what we call the dominant culture, um, like the extractive heteropatriarchal imperialist racist culture, like, you know, like, which they say is the dominant, but it's like, is, is it really actually because like, so most people don't actually, actually, actually adhere to like those really like strict um, things. But like, you know, they talk about us in the past tense or like we, or they act like we just want visibility, like trying to say visibility, like, you know, like we just want our bathrooms and we want to be like a minor character, like the sassy gay uh sidekick and you know we want to be assimilated into like the sitcom narrative uh and it's like i don't want any of those things like i we've been forced for decades um because of like trans medical industrial complex like the fact that we have to say certain things to like get life-saving health care for instance 
it, it trickles down into like how we actually like think about ourselves and it can create a certain like reactivity like where it's like you know like we're doing this whole like oh we're just the same as you and we're saying that out of safety oftentimes not actually out of like self-empowerment and that there's a certain level of empowerment that comes from being like we're not like you we don't want to be like you i don't want to be in your like i don't want to be a sidekick in a rom-com like that's not i'm trying to like we're trying to completely upend how this society works like in the and like the ways that like the conservatives are like oh we should be scared of them they're trying to upend the social order and then like trans people are being like oh no like we're not doing that and it's like actually we kind of are and that is actually why they're very scared of us and so the, the real answer is like i can be critical of trans day of remembrance while also holding it in my heart and remembering my lost trans people and and i'm deeply informed by gloss and hears but i want to take it a step further for trans people and get out of this reactivity of um of survival mode that we've had to have and not just survive and not just not be destroyed but really live and actually like fight by building what we want instead of reacting to what is never gonna accept us yeah yeah that's awesome uh one of the terms that was really really uh helpful for me was a term uh trans vitality which is kind of actually what i what brought me to think about transcore because we were we were talking about these ideas around trans of remembrance and uh and the writer of the article um, used this term, trans vitality, sort of as it, in contrast, but didn't define it. And the first thing I thought of was Brooklyn Transcore. It's like, oh yeah, totally, that's, that is 100% that. But why don't we talk about and write about what Brooklyn Transcore is do, doing instead of focusing in sort of um, uh, almost like a fetishistic, macabre way uh, uh the article was something about something called necropolitics. It was very interesting. Anyway, um, so here's Thank you. yeah. Uh, let's let's start talking about directly about Transcore, Brooklyn Transcore. And actually, I should have started this interview with this. Can I get your uh, full name and pronouns and uh, just a spelling? Um. Yeah. I um, Sirsha Sawyer Eason. Um, Searsha, S-A-O-I-R-S-E, Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R, Eason, E-A-S-O-N. And, um, she, her pronouns. Was there any other questions? <laughs> yeah, no, that was the best one. No, uh, yeah, so, okay, Brooklyn Transcore. Uh... I guess let's start with when did you first come to the city and for what reasons? And then why, when did you first hear about Brooklyn Transcore? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I started, um, I'm from Southeastern Virginia, come from a very poor town and, um, kind of like my weird, like queer coping from when I was growing up is I like, got really into dancing at like competition dance schools and like shitty like um run of the mill like um 
what do you call them? Strip mall kind of a place. I went to a place called Kelly's Dance Explosion, actually, which is hilarious. But um, anywho, um, like I kind of learned that like if I was like male and I twirled around in tights, although it led to a lot of bullying and like violence I faced and uh, it was kind of like a way out because like there's like male dance scholarships. And so um, I like, like sweat, like dance studios and stuff and did anything I could to like have classes because we didn't have any money growing up. And I got, ended up getting a full ride to NYU on a male dancing scholarship. Um, and so I was in New York, like, I had never seen pesto before, like, you know, like, I, I, I like, you know, I literally remember, like, somebody eating green stuff on pasta, and I was like, oh, my God, it's spoiled, and people were like, no, that's just pesto, it's really good, and, and it's like, people almost, like, talked about me like I was, like, a pet or something, like, they, they was, like, thought I was, like, funny and, like, country and, like, innocuous or something, and, um, like, um, you know, I came out as trans, like, while I was, like, in school, and, like, no one had ever done that before, and, like, they weren't sure if I could use the women's restroom or this or that, and they were, like, being weird about everything, and I had to be, like, oh, no, it's the law, like, you have to, even though I was in, like, a very, like, progressive space it was like really the gendered environment of dance like was like so especially like having to like fight your way to the top of it to survive like you get to the top of it and it's like you know you're 10 years on an education track for males you know it's like how do you go to the 10th year of like the female track when like that's how they built the whole social structure right and like people were just weird and standoffish and like, I got some, like, really tokenizing gigs that, like, really, like, killed my spirit. And eventually, like, I just kind of, like, gave up on it, you know? Um, my mom was also, like, context. My mom was, like, a hardcore punk in, like, the late 70s, early 80s kind of vibes. Like, OG in the South. Like, you know, kind of, like, first person with a mohawk in her town kind of vibes. Like, got sent to the psych ward for, like, being a weirdo, queerdo punk. Um, I found out, like, after she passed that she had been, like, you know, like, a lesbian and stuff, but, like, so, like, I had come up from, like, the guar averse, like, my punk uncle was the original singer of the guar and stuff, and, like, so I'm a little, like, legacy punk a little bit, too, like, um, and after, like, dance was kind of gone, I had never really, like, pursued music because I had never had the chance to, like, I kind of had to do this other art so that I could, like, stay fed, it was, like, very rigorous you know and it was just like a way out of like a really kind of like nowhere kind of desolate place where like a lot of my friends I grew up with are dead you know like um but anywho like um it was kind of like in this point of lowness that like I really didn't have anything going on that like um some girl I was kind of like dating was like honestly like we're not even grooving that hard but there's this girl that I know that I think you would like really connect with and she introduced me to this trans girl punk who kind of like turned me out like showed me everybody and like within moments I learned that Brooklyn Transcore was a thing this is probably like 2015 and like I started to be in this band library in like 2016 and like 
I don't know if we, we wouldn't have called ourselves like part of the Brooklyn Transcore Collective, but we were kind of a part of like the greater Brooklyn Transcore scene, you know? Like, and there was all these bands. We were like playing at Silent Barn, at that basement called Heck. We were playing at The Glove. We were playing at Dirty Summer. We were like all over the place. We, you know, we traveled from Canada, all over the country, played a lot of queer festivals. There was a lot of queer festivals back then. Like, and like all the major cities had like a trans kind of like punk fest, like through like 2017, up through COVID really. And it was like very much on the underground, but it was everywhere. And like, it was enough that we could travel, like play very regularly. And um, around this time, that was like when Al was like really kind of like bottom line in Brooklyn Transcore. I remember like knowing people like Christy and Al and Santos from the very beginning, like for me, like, you know, they were like the elder figures doing all the things. I was like in my early twenties, like felt like a baby and treated like a baby a little too, you know, like, I feel like it, you know, like all these punks gotta like sniff each other's butts for a while to like suss each other out, you know? And, but like my band stuck around for a while, like library ended, I ended up in that band Mandy and I was like planning some other bands and I was like really around and it was like 2018, 2019. Also, I was doing a lot of organizing with people's power assemblies, like that abolitionist uh, anti-police group that like taught me a lot about organizing and how to be consistent with meetings and uh like you know they had a monday meeting every every monday until covid you know for like 10 years you know people's power assemblies um so i was doing a lot of like organizing with people's power assemblies also like my immediate art crew had a cooperative we like learned through the lgbt center we went through like a like a paid cooperative cooperative education program where we like learned how to make worker cooperatives and we made a we called it the mop co-op the means of production cooperative and it was like artists kind of like trying to fight like our displacement like via like things like silent barn while also like addressing gentrification and you know gentrification on stolen land and like we're, there was a lot of like radical organizing. There was Brooklyn Transcore, like at this point, this is like 2017 and 2019, like Brooklyn Transcore is still, they're doing Punk Island and they're doing, um, they're like benefit shows to put on Punk Island. And, you know, just, it was slowing down a little bit, like, you know, and it was around like 2018, 2019 that Al tapped me on it and was like, hey, like, you know, this is like a proud thing that we've been developing for years. And it just seems like your finger's kind of on the pulse right now. You kind of know what's going on a little bit better than me. I work all the time. I'm doing all this work for Punk Island. I'm you know, I'm in a touring band, like I have limited capacity, but I recognize the importance of this and I wanted to carry forth in a generative way. And so he kind of put me on and like, you know, like 2019 was like the first punk island, like I had a lot to do with, you know, and that I was there for. And um, then, you know, COVID hit, and like you know we almost had a punk island we did it and we like went through all of that and um i had like gender affirming surgeries you know i went dealt with like the covid poverty that a lot of people dealt with and it was like 
you know, um, like Brooklyn Transport was laying pretty low, like, you know, like there wasn't really much going on, but I, I went to a trans open mic just chilling at a place and somebody was wearing a spite fuck shirt, if you know that band, they're like a local Brooklyn band. And I was like, oh, I like your shirt. And we got we got caught talking back and forth. And this like cool person was like, yo, like there's so much cool trans stuff. We were commiserating about how there's like more trans people around in New York than I've ever seen before. And I thought in 2016, we were all over the place, but it just feels even more now. And like, and they were like, like, I just wish, um, do you remember this thing called Brooklyn Trans Corps? Like they used to have shows all the time and like, it was really cool and it meant a lot to me. And like, it just feels like something's missing. There's all these trans people and like, there's, there's not a lot of stuff centered around transness right now. And, um, it seems like a missed opportunity. And I was like, dang, you're kind of calling me out right now. Cause actually Broken Transcore is like on my shoulders right now. And I guess, you know, I was dealing with a lot of physical disability stuff and my surgery and COVID. And I was maybe at a point of like, I don't, is this something people want? Do they want us to continue this forward? And that really like lit a poker on my ass. And, um, I started talking to my friends and like my band, the dilators, and we started like thinking about like how we could re-envision it, you know, into something that really like serves everybody in a, in the particular moment that we're at right now. Because Brooklyn Transport, you know, came out of like the ABC No Rio um, scene and like Tompkins Square kind of vibes, like, you know, in a time where there was nothing centered around like trans alternative life that isn't just like i'm just like you i want to assimilate but like no we're trans freaks and we're centering that like um and so yeah like me and a crew of my punk we did punk island this year that really ignited a lot of people a lot of uh i started just speaking with other trans bands that are really doing a lot of stuff right now and we started having monthly open meetings where um we invite anybody in the community to come and we talk about the events that we're putting on. We talk about radical things that are going on in our community or like things that directly impact us. Like the, the queer beach, Reese Beach is under threat of being turned basically into like a playground instead of a queer beach uh, for like, you know, gentrifiers and st straight people and Republicans and stuff. Um, and like talking about the movement to protect the beach. And um, like, um, we have like subcommittees on like access and um, um, music education, um, like, um, like a, a, we're trying to get together like a, a regular meeting space for nightlife workers to come and speak together about their experiences and just kind of see what comes from that but yeah we have like these open monthly meetings and then we have like a working every monday we meet up and whether it's five of us or ten of us and we've just decided there's like we see so much beautiful organizing happening all over the place but kind of siloed you know there's like the beautiful like ma'afa tribe that like when like I first like became physically disabled. It was that crew of people that would call me like every week and be like, hey, can we cab you to a show? 
like we we made sure there's chairs and we're gonna have a special place for you near the front uh to make sure that you like really enjoy the show and like you know that that's life-saving stuff you know and um that didn't come from me from some of even my own queer people when I was down you know and then there's Project Reach right now um, in Chinatown, 50-year-old, like, anti-racist youth program that's open up to all ages shows right now at the American Indian Community House. You know, it's a radical-ass space, but it, like, needs help right now. And, like, there's, like, you know, DIY spaces all over doing really rad stuff. And I've been around for a long time. A lot of my friends, we've been around a long time. A lot of these trans people that are on the scene right now are pretty young. Like, you know, they came out during COVID. They're teenagers. They're like trying to find their thing. They don't know about gloss or hears like, like we do, like literally, like I've been meeting these kids and like, you know, like there's not as many all ages spaces as there's, there used to be too before COVID. It's like really hard for them right now. Oh. And so we're trying to like, so we've been having these regular, we had our Halloween show. And we sold like 250 tickets, but had like no one turned away. Um, we had um, vegan and non-vegan, like hot food made by this incredible food sovereignty trans, um, um, like visionary, like Axel, uh, who um, like went to like local, has relationships with local farms and got like extra produce and like, like really like ethically and responsibly sourced this like delicious like pozole and like coconut flan for everybody but no one turned away for lack of funds we we've been having a, a clothing drive and have like different venues where people can like drop off clothing so that we can have like gender expansive clothes at our big events so that like people can get dressed for their weather dressed for their new gender or like let's even envision like talk about trans vitality like you know, you have transmasculine people who like might be in the punk scene, for instance, and they might feel like they have to hyper perform masculinity in this like straighter punk scene to have any level of acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. And we got like all these like flashy sequin dresses. Like I saw like trans dudes like putting on a dress for the first time in 10 years and then going in the pit for the first time in 10 years, you know? And like, like for me, that was like, like trans vitality, like you were talking about, like, mm -hmm. I think that right now there's just a dearth of like no one turned away for lack of fun shows um, that are focusing on inclusion and access and education. Um, like we had a fire safety educational before the show. Um, it, you know, we had 74 year old trans punks. We had, um, you know, little baby trans punks like, um, so yeah, we're doing these big events, um, and now we're also trying to break into like having more regularly scheduled smaller shows for these newer bands, mm -hmm. you know, that aren't like filled 250 tickets, but need to be um, given like the fertile soil to grow. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Brooklyn is trying to do right now, like doing some like DIY soil regeneration. <laughs> nice. I like that. I like that. Uh, just um, thank you for all of that. I want to get some specific dates down, though. What year did you start up at NYU? Uh, I was at NYU in 2012. 
Uh, and you were there the whole uh, four years, yeah, through twenty sixteen. Uh, well, in the dance conservatory, they make you do three years and two summers. So I was out in twenty fifteen. Okay, cool. Uh, and then in twenty fifteen, you joined the band Library, or started the band. Like, it was like maybe like it was either like late twenty fifteen or like early twenty sixteen or something like that. Okay, I. I need to go because I recognize that name from back then. I probably went to go see you guys. Uh, but I, oh gosh, I should look back at my photos. I probably have photos of you from before. We were in the silent barn a lot. Yeah. We were, um, like, one of our bandmates lived at the barn. We oh, actually headlined the last barn, uh, silent barn show. Okay, I think I was there for that. Gosh, I wish my photo archive is all over the place. I need to go back and find find everything from back then but yeah i remember yeah, that was the, we opened a, up the last pit at the barn oh, that's awesome that's awesome um and then after that you joined mandy what were you playing in these bands i was playing bass for all that okay. i was like bass was the place and then after mandy dilators yeah and there were some other bands in there i was in this band the throat which was like a shoegaze band and like that was probably like 2018 into early 2019. And um, I would like hang, you know, I I was in Cop Out um, 2019. Um, left them early this year to kind of focus on the dilators. Um, and this Cop Out, like, you know, really took me on the road a lot. But like, um, but um Um, yeah, but yeah, dilators this year, I had a skating injury in, um, um, like, what was it? Like late 2020 or something like that. Yeah. And like, I haven't, I've been slow getting back on, mm. on strings yeah. and dilators was like a chance for me to like switch on to vocals. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Uh, you also mentioned, uh, something about the early days. I know you, you probably weren't around. You said you weren't getting involved with punk until around 2015. So you probably weren't around for those early days. You said that, um, Brooklyn Jazz Corps grew out of ABC New of Rio to, uh, Tompkins Park crew. I always thought that it was Al who started it. Do you know how exactly Brooklyn Transport started? Um, I don't have like the very, very beginning origin story. Yeah. Um, which is funny to me. Um, like I hear, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where like, to be honest, a lot of these punks don't like all talk to each other no more. Yeah, yeah, it's that way with Punk Island too. Um, what's it and so it's just like, a lot of the primordial stuff. I have some of the original zines right here. Oh, those little ones, the white ones, the mini zines, right? <laughs> yeah, like, um, I have issue one, March 2013, right here. Um, you know, um... Nice. Um, yeah, cute, right? Yeah, I, um, I feel like I have a copy of that somewhere. I need to go through all my stuff. 
That's awesome. <laughs> At one point, I can't remember if it's the first one. Uh, oh, it's it's the first one. Yeah, they have. It's like remember here's the first one hundred songs. Like here's yes. the first album. Oh, song. yeah. This was a like hundred song review. They reviewed all one hundred songs. Really, that's I think fucking, that's hilarious. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it's so funny, like, the holes that I don't know about, though. It kind of keeps it mysterious in a fun way. Like, I was, like, going through the old Instagram and realized at one point there was a compilation album released, like an LP. There's two. There's two. I was just looking at that on Bandcamp. There was one yeah. in 2000. And it's like, I'm going to, like, pull Al's earlobe and be like, yo, is there more, like, physical copies of that? Yeah. Uh, I've I got to find a physical copy for the art. Art for the archive because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing this because like um i think oral history is so important that's kind of like my project in vermont to an extent yeah. and i just think that like punk like punk island broken transcore these are just like we there's no way we can quantify how many lives have been changed mm -hmm. through that these containers you know yeah yeah definitely um okay let me think um Okay, so around 2019, uh, actually, we've really, we pretty much come up to date. So what are you thinking about the future? Like, what, what are you really interested in doing with Brooklyn Transport in the future? Well, like, first off, like, uh, our next open meeting is all ages. Um, we have, like, a burgeoning, like, all ages scene that is, like, demanding that and like that's really beautiful um and you know like there's some like trans bands like all over right now that like are just like throwing it down and like you know and that's really good like the, um there was a trans punk show recently that like the dilators played 400 people showed up it was like it was it was enormous what show was it it's called gender injection where um it was at tbi and this was like kind of new trans punks like haven't been in the city that long you know uh they booked the, the dilators and some other stuff and like 400 people came i mean i think that's just like expressive of like how completely thirsty people are for this yeah. and how important it is to people and um i think it's incredible um that there's 400 people and there's 400 people that could pay ten dollars for a ticket you know because like you know ours is a community historically that's been of like sex workers and people who have been all sorts of hustles and all sorts of struggles and um it's indicative of like some changes that are different than like like the way that transness and trans core existed in 2012 so like now i want to be supporting these bands that are popping off um because i've been in a million bands and i've been through the rodeo before and like what what is a little lacking right now is like the lineage connection because of like covid and also the ghost ship fire in 2016 you know, if you remember the ghost ship in Oakland was, uh, there was a fire in December of 2016. It was like a queer ish, like it was a DIY spot that a lot of queer people were at mm -hmm. and specifically like a lot of trans people died that night. I was like, there, there might've been like 30 deaths or something, something extreme, you know, like, and 
that was kind of the beginning of the end for like kind of the all over the country the DIY culture um because it instead of being like these landlords and these property owners aren't taking care of their buildings and keeping it up to code so that it has an electrical fire they're like we have to protect our kids from these dangerous all age spaces and so like you know they send the fire department to silent barn they send it to all the DIY spots and like all these you know now all this stuff is shuttered and it's much harder to build uh community in the environment that's happened therein and then COVID hit and that created a massive amount of people to question life in general and a lot of like radical like fervor came up in that time and a lot of like self-knowledge came in that time but what was lost was the intergenerational connection that came from the erasure of DIY spaces and COVID so now there's this huge gap and that is what I'm focused on right now is like there's all these like trans punks that are ready to do something and they're like want to do a DIY show and all they have is bars and they don't even like fully understand that pretty recently like we had a bunch of spaces that like would have been perfect for this sorts of programming you know and that they got taken away for like political reasons and so like I've been like having these regularly scheduled meetings we've been building our shows we're gonna come into punk island hard this year we also wanna um just have some free park shows throughout the year um and just like have some free lineups to just have people to be in tompkins or something and have brooklyn transport shows there and to play all the local diy shows and do like solidarity um community building amongst these spaces and let Brooklyn Transcorp be a medium for like all these spaces to be in conversation with each other um and continue our mutual aid efforts one of our biggest things is we have a instrument drive right now where if you give us musical equipment we put it in the hands of like trans people uh black and brown queer people and sex workers you know like uh to help ensure um this these new kids to come up and like you know not a clicky environment not an environment where the people who have had the clout and the power try to hold on to it for dear life but the ones of us who have been around for a long time try to build something real for these kids and like say like hey have you ever heard a gloss like you know have you ever heard of hears because these kids haven't and it means I can't express to you like how good it feels to show a kid gloss for the first time. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh gosh, okay. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you would like to go over that I haven't asked about or that we haven't talked about yet? I guess one thing that I'd say is that this is like more than just Brooklyn. You know, like I've got like I know these like teen punks, like some of them who like play Punk Island, right? Like, that band isn't a band anymore, because you know how teen punks are, like, you know, they're, like, form, like, five different bands, and they fight with all of them, and, like, you know, it's, it's they're kids being kids, like, how they should be, like, you know, but um, they're all still in the scene, they all form new bands, and there's just this burgeoning teen trans punk scene in Baltimore, and one of them has made a zine, and they're like, hey, like, can Brooklyn Transcore, like, distro our zine? in New York and like this trans uh, punk band in DC is coming up to play in January with some Brooklyn transport bands and we're going to show it out, show them some support. 
and I'm trying to get them to write a zine about their thing. We're making new zines, like updated zines, and we're we're gonna try to like reprint these too, so that people can look back and and what we're doing is like lineage work, like you know, being like, hey, like like trans identity isn't just like a singular identity thing like Brooklyn Transcore like is transcending that like it's about like um like giving people letting people have something to inherit like I got to inherit Brooklyn Transcore even though I don't even fully understand it's like beginnings like and I'm still unearthing that and like doing my best at it um but like that is the truth is like and I think like the core thing out of all of this is that like the system like, that we're in like tries to break out our like social lineages beyond like the nuclear family, right? Like all these little things that we build could be so beautiful and ephemeral last for two or three years and all the beauty of it gets lost and like also the mistakes and the missteps and stuff, which are just as important. And so it's my hope with Broken Transport, with our relationship to Punk Island, with our relationship to these trans punk bands that are like all over the country that want to play together. And we're trying to build out these DIY networks again, do this, you know, um, re-stepping of the trails so that it's not just like a couple trans bands get real popular and go play, leave and play bigger venues, but that like, we give like young people and people freaks of all ages like space to like grow into themselves and grow together and build beyond just even punk music you know we are trying to throw dance parties next year we are um our friend mia burn who's like with kill rock stars um um is like the first trans woman to get a rep uh uh a profile in Rolling Stone Country, and she's been hanging with us and talking with us, and um, um, like, um, sorry, I just, um, chime on my phone. Uh, what was I saying last? I'm sorry. Are you talking about Mia Byrne? Oh yeah, Mia Byrne uh, is trying to come uh, and visit more regularly and like we're trying to build out like a more acoustic all ages scene for people too because it's like like you know some of our acoustic punk friends like like these huge throw down like mosh pit shows that like we're throwing is like not really like it's not for everybody yeah not for everybody it's not accessible to everybody it's not what everybody wants either and so like i'm trying to like you know bridge out of my own taste too and like See, let this be an expansive thing that's a lot more than Searsha, that's um, set up for, like, whenever it's I eventually step away, like, that it's not just, like, it falls on one person, like, it kind of hit for me, which, like, no shade or, that's just how it happened, you know? But, like, I want to take, like, all these different things that I've drawn in from through my history to, like, help create something that's a little more sustainable, that's archived. We, we just got fiscally sponsored by Open Collective Foundation. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but uh, they're a radical nonprofit that's doing our bookkeeping now. So anything anybody donates to Brooklyn Transcore, like this is transparently shown on our like public forum website that tells you all of our different 
budgetary concerns, our different programs and projects, and makes our uh, donations tax deductible. You have a website? We have an open collective uh, site. Uh, we don't have like a just Brooklyn Transport site, but I can um, try to pull it. If you just like look up open collective Brooklyn Transport, it's pretty, pretty easy to find. Um, and this is the same service that like, um, um, Club A uses mm -hmm. and Bushwick Ayuda Mutua and, um, um, I'm going to send it to you now. I'm linking you. Yeah. Um, um, but like this way, you know, uh, right now, this is a little like off uh, the record. I don't think you can like directly reference this, but like we're in talks with Gibson about Gibson participating in our um, musical instrument drive. Cool. That'd be amazing. Trying to get like a kind of like a large sum of guitars and stuff to literally just distribute to like at risk, like trans youth. <laughs> Yeah. And just awesome. be like, here's your motherfucking Gibson. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like Mia Byrne is signed by Kill Rock Stars and is sponsored by Gibson. And, like, there's some trans artists who are, like, trying to, like, throw support, like, serious weight into um, building something. Uh, if I want to donate, how can I donate? Right? Is there a link or something? Oh, you click so on the collective. Um, in our open collective, um, there is, um, you can go down to financial contributions. You can make a custom one-time or recurring contribution. Um, you can become like a recurring backer. You can become a sponsor. You can get public and anonymous donations. Um, and like right now we have our... As our budgetary things, we are getting a, a storage shed to store our um, instruments uh, that we're collecting, our Brooklyn Transport backline that we're gathering, as well as um, 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 yeah, our backline, our clothing mutual aid, and just kind of like. Uh, this like is center. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link this out. I'll, I'll maybe I'll make a QR code or something that goes here. Be awesome. And then, like, what's up next is like, yeah, we're gonna fundraise for the stage. Um, the, uh, it's a little up in the air right now, but Scenic keeps kind of like dangling, like letting us like steward and store their equipment. Mm. Uh, although ABC, uh, ABC and Aria representatives have been coming to Broken Transport meetings, oh, yeah. and we've been telling them that, like, you know, if the, it gets back to Punk Island having like separate stages, that like that they should do a stage. Is anyone there? Because um, Diami's moved on from them. He was the old. He was the old connect with ABC and Aria, and he's now doing something separate. So I wonder if there's somebody there who has interest in in doing that. Because I know this trans person, Thorne, mm -hmm. uh, who was, um, who comes to Brooklyn Transcore meetings, yeah. um, and is like kind of like heading up the punk stuff with um, ABC Naria right now. 
And they have a backline in Rockaway still. They actually raised enough money to build that building. It's just inflation because of COVID makes it not enough money anymore. So they're like, they kind of need to like... Continue raising the, funds, yeah. Put, the, put themselves out there and remind people that they exist. And, yeah. um, and you know, there's a lot of energy there that could go out that's like really, really rad. Yeah. They like, um, you know... Um, that person was part of a protest against, uh, like a turf speaker, and there was like a lot of arrests at that protest. And actually, Brooklyn Transport, we did most of the jail support for that. Like, you know, stood out there for like eight hours in the mm-hmm. cold, like brought chairs and food for everybody who got out of jail. For um, um, and like, yeah, like one of those people is like the point person for. ABC Naria right now, so well, um, definitely, we've been thinking a lot about Punk Island. Yeah, definitely. When um, when we have our next meeting, uh, it'd be great if you could invite them. Um, I, yeah, I was I was actually kind of wondering about that in general because like I didn't want to overstep anything or move too quickly on anything, but I just have a few ideas of like. Like right now, one, they're like I think ABC No Rio would be like an incredible wait, stage. Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. Let's hang on to that, and as soon as we're done with the recording, uh, we let we can talk. Let's chat about Punk Island. Okay, yeah, cool. so sorry. Um, uh, okay. Uh, you mentioned that this is probably like the last thing I wanted to to bring up. Back in you said you were touring with Library back in like 2016, right? And there was, you, you were finding a lot of trans shows, like, in trans festivals. Why do you think that was oh, at that yeah. point? Yeah, and, and, yeah. There's so many. So, and some of them are still kind of active, some less so. Like, one, my favorite is Pansy Collective in Asheville, North Carolina. They are incredible. They're, like, deep in the South. But if you know anything about Asheville, it's kind of like the freaky, weirdo town in, like, the middle of a lot of really conservative stuff. It's like the arty, but it can get, it's, you know, it's considered a little hippy dippy, but like, actually there's a big punk scene too. Like, and Pansy Collective is like a trans, queer, like radical collective. And so they went through this thing every year, Pansy Fest, and it like built over the years. And 2019 was the last big one. It was like over 500 fucking queer and trans people in the deep fucking South throwing it down. And it was incredible. Like, um, like there was like a fun dancey evening there was a hard evening of just like heavy freaking bands that like broke all stereotypes of like queer shit being wimpy or whatever and then on the sunday they had a um a country breakfast for everybody um and all the acoustic acts and like softer stuff and it was just a really smart lineup and they would have like secret diy house shows in the night and it was like lined up with the anarchist book fair of the year so it was just this huge culmination of like hundreds if not thousands of like really like liberation oriented people coming together and there being workshops like it being very intentional um very no one turned away it was like it was very punk island um but th- so that's my my favorite one and then there's like um some fests uh down in tennessee uh, there is um 
multiple ones that happened in Massachusetts. In Northampton, one year, there was this one called After the Gig Fest that was pretty big. And then in Boston, uh, there was Sheer Queer Fest. In Montreal, there was Slut Island. Um, um, you know, uh, Philly had Get Better Fest. Um, like, we just this year, we played... Um, actually Syracuse New York's first queer trans fest punk festival it was called um um oh, what was it called but yeah uh, we played a, like a tiny little queer burgeoning queer festival in Syracuse um but it was just basically like you could go all over the country uh there was one in where was it in Kansas City, Missouri called Awful Fest. Um, and then beyond that, even just festivals, there was just cities where you knew you could play and there would be like, not just a gig, but like a trans gig for a trans audience. You know, where there's obviously more than just trans people there, but that's like what it was centered around. Mm -hmm. And... It just seems like there's more trans people than ever before, but it's all at bars. It's all for people who are seeing us as a recently, like, a recent, a new niche market sector, as opposed to, like, uh, like a walk and talking, uh, dancing, slamming revolution. And so that that's that's the heart of like really what I'm trying to do with Brooklyn Transcore here, and it's like, um, and it's like th th I'm gonna be a little shady, so like you know like, um, like you know it's just like some of the like there's like these large punctures trans punctures that are happening right now at bars and stuff that large crowds of people are coming to and paying full price tickets. And it's just like in 2016, we could have never off done it not sliding scale, not just because of our politics, but because of realities of like people needed it to be sliding scale and people needed it to be no one turned away because they didn't have money. Like people were hustling, people were like, and now there's more employed trans people, which I guess is a good thing. Like, you know, like it's good that we're like breaking out of like sex work and other forms of hustling, just being like our only modes of survival. But like, we can't like lose sight of the fact that even just like very recently, no one wanted to book trans stuff. Like people want to book trans stuff right now because it sells, not because they believe in it. And like, I just want to show like these kids a little glimmer of what we had because uh, I do think that it's really vital and it's being lost they've got so much but they need their lineage and that's that's that on that yeah. <coughs> all right uh thank you so much let me stop these recordings and